What's up, everybody? This is the Ex Nilo Podcast. Glad you guys are joining me. Episode 13, by the way. We're making some pretty good progress. Hey, Merry Christmas. If you're listening to this around the holiday season, that's when I'm filming it. Uh, if not, then just happy regular day uh, you're listening to this, whether or you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, today, we're talking about stress. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about, and we're not talking about clinical anxiety, but we're talking about that general sense of I'm doing too much sort of anxiety and stress. Now, um, Ex Nihilo is really about three big pillars. If you know anything about um, this podcast, this channel, three pillars. The first, well-being. It's about you feeling good. It's about you hitting a good equilibrium, really enjoying yourself as a person, enjoying yourself um, as a as an individual walking the earth. Do you feel good? Do you feel like you're in a good mood? Um, th this is one of the main pillars we're talking about. Stress totally stops well-being in its tracks. Anxiety stops well-being in its tracks. We're also talking about, when we talk about the three pillars, longevity. Longevity is about living as long as possible. It's about um, being around as long as possible for your loved ones, for your family, um, for you know to do the work that you feel like you're called to do. It's also about longevity in regards to God's mission for your life, about making disciples. It's about being around as long as possible. Who wants to live a, a really exciting but short life, right? You can go on in the news and... <clears throat> And check out all a number of uh, different movie stars and athletes that have sort of lived this like amazing life and then fizzled out, right? I, I want you to avoid that, right? So well-being, longevity, and then performance. I want you to live a life in such a way that it's done uh, well, effectively. How effective are you as an individual, right? So well-being, longevity, performance. Stress and anxiety, for, typically brought on by doing way too much or being overloaded, stops that in its tracks. And this time of year, uh, you know, like I mentioned, holiday season is a time where you're supposed to be slowing down, time you're supposed to be relaxing, time you're supposed to be enjoying all of the fruits of your labor from all year, enjoying the, it with your spouse or your kids or your family or your friends or whatever. And oftentimes stress and anxiety ramp up this time of year instead of go down, right? It's, all, it's about this hurry up and wait sort of mindset. Well, today, uh, I want to help you sort of fix this issue. And the reason why is because society is undergoing a massive overhaul on how you and I work. We talked about this in a podcast previous around commuting, around a sedentary lifestyle. It's this massive overhaul. And so I'm sitting in front of a computer right now in front of a, a camera, and we're shooting a podcast. Most of you sit in front of computers all day, or you sit in front of, maybe you're scrolling on your phone. And, and that's really to your detriment. That's not how you were designed. That's not how God made you to sit all day and to be hunched over in this like caveman-like position. So I want to sort of call that to, to the forefront in this episode and talk about why we were not designed this way, how stress and anxiety were not in God's plans for humanity, but then also hopefully provide a blueprint for you for a spiritual reordering of yourself and then talk some practical how-tos and how you and I can reduce our stress together. Um, and I came across this, this article. You'll see it here on the screen if you're on YouTube. But I'm going to be reading this, some of this article. And it's from the American Psychological Association. It came out right after Thanksgiving, but it, it applies again all year round. Uh, the, the title of this podcast, or the title of this uh, article, rather, I'll, I'll link it for you in, in the show notes, is this. Even a joyous holiday season can cause stress for most Americans. Even a joyous holiday season can cause stress for most Americans. Now, um, nearly nine in 10 U.S. adults say something causes them stress during the holiday season. Now, that's not a shocker. 
But what might be a shocker is again the fact that a time of the time of year when we're all supposed to be ramping down, working less, being with friends and family, we're actually as stressed out uh, in this time of year as we are really in any other time of year. And that that seems crazy. Let me read some of this article for you. You'll see it here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. U.S. adults are feeling joyous but overwhelmed this holiday season. As nearly 9 in 10, 89% say that concerns such as not having enough money, missing loved ones, or anticipating family conflict causes them stress this time of year, according to the results of a new poll by the American Psychological Association. While nearly half of U.S. adults would describe their stress levels during the traditional U.S. holiday season between November and January as moderate, Around 40% say their stress actually increases during this time of year um, as it would in other points of the year. While stress appears to be common at this time of the year, 43% said that the stress of the holidays interferes with their ability to enjoy them. And 36% said the holidays feel like a competition with other people. So the holiday season for a Christian, let's say, someone, a person of faith, a Christian, but even even so, we all enjoy the holidays. There's Hanukkah and such. But even think about the Christian uh, the Christian uh, call this time of year. It's Advent, right? It's the coming of Jesus. It's the coming of the Messiah. And this should be a time of peace, hope, joy, and love. Like That's, that's the time of Advent. And it should be a time of relaxing and anticipating uh, the coming of Jesus this time of year. Stress and anxiety totally fly in the face of this. And it hurts us. It hurts us. It causes us issues. It causes us stress. It's a happy time, but it's a stressful time. Stress stops the three pillars of the ex nihilo lifestyle in their tracks, well-being, longevity, and performance. Okay, It stops them in their tracks, and a lot of it has to do with the modern way of our lifestyle. So let's talk about, for a second here, the importance of managing stress. So it's not a secret to you that eating and dieting are not the only elements you and I need to master when it comes to stewarding our bodies. When we talk about the fact that our bodies, just like our money and our food and our family and everything else, is all a gift from God. And we are to steward that gift, steward it for our joy and to the and for the mission that God's given us for our particular lives, our calling, right? But eating and dieting are not the only ways we can steward this. There are a few other key things that we need to talk about. And stress is one of those. So I want to, I, I like to frame it up like this. If diet and exercise are offense, think about it like a sport, then managing stress is like defense. So I obviously played in the NFL. I played football. You can't win a championship without a good defense. You can score a lot of points. You might be fun to watch. You might be really exciting uh, to, to, to watch on the field. Uh, you might get ratings. Let's say, you know, the carry the analogy out a little bit more. Um, you might look really awesome. You might have six-pack abs. You might diet really nicely. You might have nice teeth. You might get Botox. You might look great on the outside, but you're dying inside, right? Because your defense isn't doing well. Listen to this statistic. In 2020, 94% of American workers, pre-COVID, okay, 94% of American workers report experiencing stress at their workplace. This is before any pandemics, anything like that. 94%. That's insane. So we're we're already fighting an uphill battle. You might say, I've got to be stressed out. I work. Sure. But there are still ways to mitigate this, okay? According to Reich's United States stress statistics from 2019, only 6% of workers don't report feeling stressed at work. Around 23% of them describe their stress levels as high, okay? That's 
it's not terrible. Well, 6% said their levels of stress were unreasonably high. Okay. That means there's there's literally a small percentage of us that are walking around going, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to die. It's no reason, it's no wonder why many of us are flamed out, burned out, dying, right? There's all these books that have come out recently over the last four or five years. Um, you know, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, comes to mind. And I recently uh, listened to a, a friend of mine say that it's funny that John Mark Comer writes a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry when all he did was hurry in order to plant a really awesome church and to get famous. And eh, it might be true or not. Um, who knows? But I think it's ironic, right? Um, another statistic, almost one third of those surveyed say that they visited a doctor about something stress-related. Have you visited a doctor recently about something being, about being stressed out, frustrated, anything like that around this time of year? I know that many people that have been to the hospital because of panic attacks. Are you one of those people? Right. This is who I'm talking to in this in this mindset. All these statistics indicate that working in a stressful working environment is going to be like the rule rather than the exception of the rule. It's you and I work in stress-induced environments. The technological landscape we now live in bleeds its or lends itself to stress all of the time. We have these devices here, these phones, all over the place. And these phones basically are like little gods in our pocket that demand our attention at all times from people. They're designed to steal our attention. They're designed really to get us to purchase and to get us to, they're designed to har actually harvest our attention, which is our number one um, resource. And it's the attention age we live in. This is the attention gold mine, right? In the 1800s, you know, when people moved to the Bay Area in California and even Nevada, they were looking for gold and silver. And it was the gold rush, right? We talk about the gold rush all the time. It's now the intention rush. And you and I have attention that can be harvested from large pro large companies. And they're after you. The, the byproduct of all that is the fact that you and I are incredibly stressed out as a result. When our attention is diverted and we don't have margin and we're, and we're, and we're being taken advantage of, to say the least, you and I lose our ability um, to remain in a relaxed, functioning lifestyle. So working in a stressful environment is a rule, not the exception. So stress is actually really, you know, if you want to know anything about stress, you know it's stress is actually a positive response in your body. You actually, you actually need stress, right? It's actually not bad to be stressed out or anxious when you, let's say, are going for a hike in the woods and you see a bear. It's actually a good thing for your body to, to feel that level of stress, right? And to go, oh, I need to get out of this situation. The problem is not what we're not what we're not talking about here is acute stress responses like that of seeing a bear, but it's actually a chronic stress. You and I are experiencing chronic stress, underlying stress all of the time, right? Acute stress is a positive response in the body designed to prepare the body for, you know, to survive basically a situation that requires more of your body's resources. That's a positive thing. We want you to have that. Um, what we don't want for you to have is chronic stress underlying all of the time, right? That would indicate some version of some sort of adrenal dysfunction. Now, what happens is in your body, there's something called the HPA access. And the HPA access is in charge of managing your stress response, okay? That's what it's for. Uh, the name of HPA access, 
the, the HPA axis essentially is an abbreviation for the trio of the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus in the brain, the, pituit the pituitary, and the adrenal glands. Okay, that's what that's for. The HPA axis works in your body to sort of produce uh, a stress response in order to help you survive these situations, right? Now, what do these things do? Like, let me give you like just a, a brief overview to help you understand this. Uh, the adrenals regulate stress by releasing cortisol and adrenaline hormones in your body when your body needs them. That's a good thing. Again, you need those things. They also manage uh, your circadian rhythm that helps you regulate your sleep and, and your waking. So your body produces cortisol in the morning via the HPA axis to wake you up. And then what should happen, at least in a healthy individual, is that your cortisol should taper off all throughout the day until the point where you need to go to sleep and then you'll sleep, right? And that's your circadian rhythm. What happens in an unhealthy individual is that gets all out of whack, okay? More than that in a second. The hypothalamus, that's that part in your brain, right? It connects your nervous system and the endocrine systems by utilizing essentially the pituitary gland, which also regulates your hormones. So when the HPA axis is functioning well, your stress response is regulated, you're doing good, copacetic, awesome, right? So again, if a bear is chasing you, your body's going to release that stress response hormone, the cortisol to protect you. You're going to run, you're going to hide, you're going to climb, you're going to dive, you're going to do whatever you can to hopefully survive. By the way, good luck surviving a bear attack. That's probably not going to happen unless it's like a black bear or something. But even then, that's still scary. Brown bear, grizzly bear. Oh, yeah, you're probably you're probably done. Um, so, but hopefully, if you're like Leonardo DiCaprio in Revenant, then maybe you fight it off and get away. But probably not. Regardless of your skill to get away from a bear, you're going to need your HPA access functioning at a high level, right? So again, acute stress is good, but again, you and I live in a state of chronic stress. Now, chronic stress essentially is a result of us being exposed, repeated exposure to situations that lead to the release of stress hormones. So this is us feeling like a bear is chasing us all of the time or a, a mountain lion is prowling for us all of the time. This essentially dysregulates or deregulates the HPA axis. And now your body doesn't know, quite know when to feel stress and when not to feel stress. That's a huge problem. I actually went through um, adrenal fatigue. There's a, some, apparently there's three stages of adrenal fatigue. And according to one of my functional medicine doctors back, you know, several years ago, I was in stage two of this adrenal dysfunction. So you have one where you're kind of, you're, you're starting to you feel frustrated and you're not being able to get through life and you're feeling that level of stress and anxiety kind of all the time, that would be stage one. That might be where you're at. Stage two is when your chronic levels of cortisol, chronic stress um, uh, produces high levels of cortisol all throughout the day. And so you feel like instead of being like this and cortisol and you're like, you start off really high in the morning and you taper down, you're actually going all over the place. You look like a stock market ticker where you're just bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down, right? Now, stage three would be where you're off the charts with cortisol or you basically, your body can no longer produce stress hormones and you sleep all the time. I was somewhere in that two to three going back and forth. And there was a spot where I had chronic stress coming out of the NFL um, from playing in, you know, the, the stress of playing, the stress of being cut and moving to a new city, back and forth and all that sort of, you know, that the, the challenges with that to the point where my body just no longer wanted to be stressed out anymore. 
And, you know, actually poor diet can actually aid to this. If you eat a, let's say you do intermittent fasting or long, long periods of fasting, or you chronically undereat for long periods of time, you actually can sort of force yourself into uh, this sort of dysfunction. But for me, it was high levels of stress. And I was literally sleeping on the couch. I couldn't get up for three straight months. It was horrible. My wife hated it, as you can imagine. At the time, we had two very small kids. And it was very challenging. Now, this caused wear and tear on my mind, wear and tear on my body. And it might do the same thing for you. And really, our stress response system was not designed to be consistently and constantly uh, activated. So this level of overuse contributes to the breakdown of many bodily systems. And this is where you get the idea of something called like burnout, right? Um, now, this leads to things like chronic stress, certainly, but chronic stress leads to heart disease. It leads to high blood pressure. It leads to depression and high levels of anxiety, like chronic and clinical anxiety, and even type 2 diabetes. Your blood sugar spikes and it stays spiked through stress response and can actually lead to type 2 diabetes, especially if you're coupling that with a poor diet. Now, if the stress system is malfunctioning, other bodily systems will, will sort of fight to keep you in fight or flight mode. And this eventually leads to things like hormone dysfunction, things like adrenal fatigue, like we talked about, but even more so insulin problems, cortisol problems, hormonal issues. You might have like uh, low testosterone levels. You might have elevated estradiol or uh, elevated uh, estrogen or low estrogen as a result of all this. When I was going through this, my testosterone and estrogen levels both plummeted. They both were almost non-existent as a result of what was happening to me. And then all of a sudden you got brain fog and you can't think at work. You're falling asleep. You're taking mid-morning naps and you're wondering, what is happening with me? Do I have cancer? Is something going on? I don't know what it is. And now you're seeing a counselor to solve a problem that is actually caused by, um, you know, not just diet, but even chronic stress. Okay. Now this could result and like what I talked about is what I experienced, which is complete and total shutdown of your body known as burnout. And this is where, again, you're like me and you're laying all over the couch. Now, nothing, nothing ages you faster than out of control stress. We talk about longevity. You can't out eat a poor stressed state, meaning you could be in the best shape possible. You could be working out, which by the way, um, if you're working out consistently while you're undergoing burnout, it's just a recipe for disaster. It leads to it faster. But you can't out, you can't eat perfectly and out train a, a burnout scenario. You can't do it. And you will still age faster. And it leads to things like heart attack and diabetes and high blood pressure. It'll kill you. Okay. So I don't want that for you. So let's talk about how you and I can sort of hack some of these stress levels. Okay. So I've got, let's say, one, two, three, four, five, let's do six. I'll give you six ways you can sort of begin the process of getting your stress under control. Now, this is short of you going and getting professional help, counseling from a psychotherapist, dealing with past trauma, seeing a pastor, something like that um, for other needs. This is more of what can you control right now? Let's talk about it, okay? So here's the first thing. The first thing you could do is to quit overstimulating your mind in the first place. The easiest way is not to just band-aid what you're going through and like, hey, like, why don't you just start doing some meditation practices, and et cetera, which we'll get to that. Um, but why don't you stop the overload in the first place? So let's quit stimulating your, 
your mind first. And this, this begins with information overload. Phones constantly connected, emails, text messages, phone calls. Your phone was, again, designed from Silicon Valley uh, people that were, and what their goal was, was not for you to be healthy. Their goal was for you to get you to look at it. So if you have an iPhone or an Android, people in Silicon Valley or abroad design these phones for you to look at and for them to be a delight to the eyes. That's in the Bible. And for you to look at them and to see them all of the time and, and demand your attention. And then companies, other companies, let's say Facebook, uh, Instagram, obviously part of Facebook, but now TikTok um, and all of these other social media companies, things like Gmail, they're all designed, these email clients and these social media companies are all, desi- are all designing their apps to get you to look, to reward you with dopamine. They actually, and you probably have heard some of this before now, it's common knowledge by now over the last few years, but a lot of these companies went and hired people that designed slot machines in Las Vegas. And their goal was to say, how do, we, how do you create this addictive property in a slot machine? We want you to create this addictive property on our phones. And so what they started doing was they started turning a little, giving you a little red icon for when you have like a notification, right? On let's say a, an app, right? And that red icon produces, releases dopamine in your body. And when you check it, it releases that dopamine as well. And so when you get a ding or a buzz and a red icon, those are designed to get you to feel a certain way, to reward you, so you then give attention to those various apps, okay? That's what they do with slot machines in Las Vegas. You pull the me- the, me- the pulling mechanism, rewards you with dopamine, and you see the little or whatever. I've never really played slot machines, but I've seen them. You've seen them. And you see the, the you know, the whatever, it's three sevens or bar or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you get rewarded with dopamine and maybe you win, right? That's the goal. Social media and all these apps are engineered the very same way. When you get a notification on your Instagram, you'll see a red icon on your phone. You'll then click it. Then you see a red icon uh, over your heart or something like that in your notifications in your app. You click on that and then you see it, right? And it's like, oh, that's really exciting. This is really, really cool. It's really awesome. What they're starting to do because people are catching on to this is they'll start batch, batch giving you batch notifications. So you see more at once because your dopamine is sensitive um, or is, is no longer sensitive to seeing one, and so now you'll see four at the same time. You go, oh, look at that. That's amazing. I have more people like me. And they're engineered to addict you, so you always look at your device. There was a recent study done for a child, and they said that that out of the hours remaining of of an 18-year-old's life, that they are likely to spend 93% of their waking hours and non-working hours on a phone. Now, I don't know about you, but that scares the living daylights out of me, that I would spend 93% of the remaining hours that I have on a phone. And you and I, we can play all the games we want. We can talk about how to lock our phone in a phone jail when we get home, or we can talk about how we're you know, um, turning off notifications. But the truth of the matter is, we're all addicted to our phones. We're addicted to our apps. We're addicted to our social media. And... And we're trying to manage our addictions with all these methods and techniques. But if you've ever been around an addict, let's say an alcoholic or or something else, a drug addict, you know that like you can just tell a drug addict to stop doing drugs. That's not going to work. 
You can tell a, an alcoholic to stop drinking and that doesn't work. But you and I are social media and app and phone addicts and we can play all the games we want about why they're good for us. There's always a reason why they're good for us. And yet what we need to know and what's not really common knowledge about our phones right now is that they're actually destructive for our longevity and our health. And, and once we realize that, we can sort of come to the grips with the fact that the things in our pockets that are designed to help us, and they have obviously very helpful, inconvenient things on them. Those things are actually designed um, to, to steal from us, not to give us life. And so where does that leave you? Well, it leaves you in a really big conundrum because it's so convenient, right? You can order an Uber on your phone. You can check your email on your phone. You can look, you can interact with friends on your phone. You can check in to a concert or check in your flight on a phone and have a concert ticket on your phone. And if you don't have those things, it's really hard. One of the things I'm discovering headed into the new year is that peace and convenience for, as it relates to my phone are on a teeter totter. And what I mean by that is the more peace I have, the less convenient it's going to be as it relates to my phone. And the more convenience I have on my phone, the less peaceful I'm going to be. And so I, I think, I personally think it's worth the trade to um, give up some of my conveniences on my phone so that way I can um, ha live a more peaceful life. And I think you should consider doing that too, right? Social media is really tough. Con I think the other thing too ar around this issue is that we're constantly connected. Many of us can't even sleep without a podcast or TV show or an audiobook in our ears um, because we're so addicted to the noise. And, and I don't want to blame you because, again, I don't think this is about self-control. Um, plenty of studies have shown that willpower are finite resources. You and I, can, there's not an infinite amount of willpower and discipline we can generate. There's only so much we have. Our phones, unknowns to us, have taken all of it. And so we're left with drops of, of little drops of willpower left, and we need to be able to use it in really, in honestly, more important situations than being able to withholding checking an Instagram account or checking a TikTok feed or checking an email, right? So how do we fix some of this? I'll give you a few tips. Um, but honestly, the biggest fix is at the end and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll share it. You can leverage apps on your phone to control addictions like screen time in the morning and at night, right? So certain apps shut off in the morning and at night and there's only certain hours you're allowed to access those. Great. Um, what you need to do if that's what you're going if that's the route you're going to choose. And I've cho I've done this route before, right? I've I've shut my phone down completely. I've blocked it off so I only have access to my text messaging, my calls and my um and essential apps. No social media. I even took the web browser off my phone. And if you do that, that's great. Um unless somebody else has your screen time code, you're just going to turn it back on, right? If you lock liquor in a liquor cabinet and you're an alcoholic, and you say, oh, I'm going to put the key uh, under my pillow or I'm going to put my key in my drawer and I'm just not going to open it. When you want to drink, you're just going to open it, right? So you need to give somebody else the key. That's my point. Give a spouse, a cousin, a friend, a, a mentor, an accountability partner, the screen time code and don't give yourself access outside of that time if that's what you really want to try. That way it's like giving yourself a social media diet, right? I only allow myself... 30 minutes of social media day or whatever it is, whatever it is for you. And you obviously can check your screen time right now on your phone while you're listening to this. 
and you can check and see how many hours a, a day you spend on various apps, whether that's email, uh, you know, your Microsoft Teams or your or Slack account or um, your uh, your Instagram or Facebook pay accounts and just see how, how much time you're spending on YouTube or whatever. And you'll realize, man, it's a lot. So you can give yourself a diet and say, I'm going to get 30 minutes of this a day, 30 minutes of that a day and be very, very uh, strict with that. That's one time. Another thing you can do is develop a bedtime routine that really doesn't involve screen or headphones. Now for 2023, 2024, if that's where you, when you're listening to this and you're thinking, that's that feels impossible uh, to, to have a routine that doesn't involve technology, but it's still possible. Um, books at your bedside with a, with a lamp, with blue blocking glasses is one way. Um, <clears throat> a Kindle Paperwhite where you just have access to a book to help yourself fall asleep. No television in the bedroom is a helpful tactic. Uh, leaving your phone uh, at the front door can sometimes be helpful. But honestly, like I said, it's like locking liquor in the liquor cabinet with a key. You can always go and get it. Um, but those are opportunities for you. Starting your starting or having a bedtime routine that it doesn't involve you listening to something and having noise, that's going to uh, be painful. And when you uh, are painful, I mean, it'll be good for you. If you start this process, it's going to be hard. It's going to take some time. And there's going to be those first few days where you're feeling like you're in prison. But after a while, if you start doing this, you'll get into a really good rhythm. Um, another thing is starting your morning with silence as opposed to putting headphones in or listening to something right away or turning the television on will be helpful. Starting with silence with a cup of coffee and some meditation or Bible study is good. For me, I go to the gym right in the morning. So um, not listening to stuff right away is always very helpful. Getting to the gym, going through that process, stretching out, and then putting music in is always been a good thing for me. When it comes to your email, consider batch checking emails. This is a really helpful thing. Like people um, check email constantly throughout the day. If you have a job in which you don't have to do that, um, and you you know, like I have a job where I don't have to check my email constantly all day. Some of you do, but if you don't. Consider saying there are two or three times a day I'm going to check email. So I'm going to check email 9 a.m. I'm going to check email at 1.30 and I'm going to check email at 4.30. I'm going to check email when I start work in the middle of the day and when I end work. And I'm not going to check email any other time and I'm not going to check email on weekends, right? Um, another tack with that is to eliminate your email from your phone. Um, and if you can't do that, consider having two phones one for work that has email and one uh, one that doesn't. And that, you know, you've got one at work, four phones that's connected to maybe Wi-Fi and you're able to check email, et cetera. And then you've got your personal phone that doesn't have any of that stuff on it. That's really helpful too. My next level hack is definitely eliminating the browser from your phone. You'd be surprised how much you're on your phone just because uh, you have a browser on there and you're like, people, you know, something comes up in a conversation, you go, oh, I wonder what that's like. And you start Googling it and finding it and searching it. If you just eliminated your browser, I bet you'd spend another, a, an extra hour off of your phone um, or at least some significant amount of time, depending on how much you use it. That's one of my things. Um, when you log in and you scroll in your browser, you know, like that's one of the things my first flinch is sometimes I, I've picked up my phone and I immediately go to Google Chrome or immediately go to Safari and you're immediately on there like looking for stuff and typing in whatever it is for you. Uh, get off your phone by eliminating the browser off of it. And then it's like, there's almost, there's almost nothing that's that urgent that you need to Google immediately. Almost never. 
Like that almost never happens. But like in our mind, we think, oh, I've got to have Google. I've got to have an ability to, to be able to search and, and Google stuff right away. No, you don't. You really don't. And that's just, it's such a lie um, from these large companies that have really trained our bodies to feel like we need to have access to that stuff. Eliminate that off your phone. And if you got to Google something and it's really emergency, find somebody else because everybody else has their phone and you can Google it on their phone. But save yourself and give yourself some peace by not doing that, okay? So that's my first thing for you is quit overstimulating your mind. Allow your phone to um, be what it's supposed to be, a utility instead of a, an addiction, which that's what it's become. Second thing, building in a rhythm of solitude to help with your stress. Um, the art, the lost art of being alone um, is, is prominent in our culture. You and I don't know how to be alone anymore. We don't know how to go away and be with God. If you look at the example of Jesus, one of his quote unquote stress, ha stress hacks was him being alone, away from people, doing his thing, talking to God, going for walks. You know, when he feeds the 5,000, which was really about over 10,000 people, when you think about it, it's 5,000 men, but there were also women and children there. Um, people followed him and, and swarmed him. And what Jesus did was he got away. He got some build a rhythm of solitude to get away and just be with God. For you, I think considering building a rhythm of solitude where you go be alone in nature or maybe you spend one day a month at where you go out and you go get an Airbnb or hotel room. You just go be alone. Don't talk to anyone. Don't bring, your, don't bring a, a phone. Leave your phone in the hotel room and go for a walk. Spend a half day or a day where you go to the beach if you live near the beach or you go to the mountains if you live near the mountains or go to the lake or whatever. And you spend some time, bring a journal, surf if you surf, write, hike, just be alone and build in, build in a half day or a day once a month where you spend disconnected from everything. And then what I would consider is building maybe a two or three solitude retreats every quarter. So that's what I would call these as retreats. So once a month or two to three uh, every quarter, however often you can get it in and just go be alone. And then maybe spend one or two a year where you go spend the night somewhere without anything around. I promise you, your wife or your kids, <clears throat> your husband or whatever, your boyfriend, your dog, they'll be fine without you, okay? They'll be fine without you. I recently did an eight-day uh, retreat in in um, 50 miles outside of Louisville, Kentucky, which for me, that's the middle of nowhere, by the way. I'm, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from the city. This was hard, but I, there was no self-service, but I had to be out there. I was working on myself, doing some counseling stuff. It was amazing. Uh, after a few days, it it took a little bit. I assure you, I've got four kids. They were fine. My wife was fine. The world will spin without you, I promise. Another thing you can think about is just the, the mindset of letting go of control. If you suffer from anxiety, control is often a big issue for you. It's been an issue for me. Anxiety is like trying to wear God's shoes and control the future. Right? Jesus himself says, you know, be anxious for nothing. Like if if God takes care of the birds of the air, if he takes care of the sparrow, if he takes care of the birds, they don't know where they're going to lay their head at at night. He takes care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you? Right? How many, Jesus says, how many of you can add a day to your life by being anxious? You can't. You can't add a single day of, to your life by being anxious, being stressed out. But you can subtract some days from being anxious and being stressed out, okay? You and I were not created for that sort of responsibility, that level of stress, fear of not having enough, fear of not having enough money, fear of dying, fear of being sick, fear of job loss, fear of what the future holds, um, fear of trying to control the future is a lot of what our anxiety comes from. 
what you need to do in a spiritual sense is give control over to God. You do not have control over those things and you've got the wheel, so to speak. And you've been trying to, you've been trying to control your own destiny. And the truth is fate, as, as they say, is in the hands of God. It's not in your hands. And you can't add a day to your life by being stressed out. The funny thing about control is you don't realize how little of it you have until you have none of it at all. Stress and anxiety are big revealers of that. You and I live stressful lives trying to control the future. And the crazy thing is, like it happened to me, you burn out and then you got no control over your own health. And if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Control really shows itself because you don't realize how little that you have until you have none of it at all. Another hack, dealing with a lingering sin. This is something that a lot of people don't talk, certainly people don't talk about this in the secular world, but dealing with a lingering sin is a real thing as it relates to stress. There is a spiritual stress of having something that you're doing behind people's backs without people knowing, and, and it weighs on you. And there's a spiritual weight and there's a spiritual significant, maybe even demonic oppression on your life. If you have an addiction or you've harmed somebody, you've stolen something, you've hurt a neighbor, you've got something you're doing chronically that people don't know about, that can cause significant background anxiety. Uh, the Apostle Paul calls this giving a, uh, an, the enemy a foothold. Uh, it's Ephesians uh, 4, 6. I want to read this to you. He's talking about dealing with relationships, but it, the same um, the, the same principle applies. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. What does he mean? Do not give the devil a foothold in your relationships and in your life. A foothold, think about like um, mountain climbing. Those little slots for for you to put your feet while you're while you're scaling a side of a mountain. When you have sin in your life that you have not confessed, you're giving the enemy a foothold for you. He is just hanging on the side of your psyche, your soul, because you haven't confessed your addiction, whether that's pornography addiction, an alcoholic addiction, something you've done in the past. Maybe you've cheated, maybe you've committed adultery or something serious. Maybe you, you know, have a, an eating disorder and you need to talk to somebody about it. Um, these are all these varying ways that the enemy can have a foothold on us and continue oppre continually oppress us and cause pain in our lives. And your stress and anxiety may be from the fact that the Satan or the devil has just been hanging on you, okay? So deal with the lingering sin. Confession is so important. Confess, repent, make restitution for the sins you've done, okay? If I were you, and you're part of a good local church, I'd see a pastor and get some gospel care and try to work through some of the issues you're experiencing there. Um, Catholic church, maybe a priest. Um, if you're in a secular world and maybe you're not a Christian, um, I would stop doing the thing you're probably doing that may be causing those issues. And I'd consider why there might be a spiritual effect on your life and how mind, body, spirit are all connected together. And perhaps you need to become a Christian. Okay, that's what I'd say. Um, and I always talk about the last really practical, or not last one, the second to last one, but it's very practical. This is what I've talked about before. And I think this is one that's super underrated for, for helping health. And that's this. Take advantage of natural herbs that God's placed on earth to help you. I like to call them Easter eggs. There are little Easter eggs God has scattered about the world, right? They're, they're called adaptogenic herbs. 
And these adaptogenic herbs are scattered around the planet in, very, in various locations um, to help you deal with the environmental stresses um, that you're going through, okay? Adaptogenic herbs. <clears throat> Adaptogens help the body maintain ideal, essentially homeostasis under adverse or stressful conditions. That's, that's a definition of adaptogen. Now, I'll give you a little history on this. The Soviet scientist that coined this phrase, uh, adaptogen or adaptogenic herbs, says that in order to be an adaptogen, a plant must meet the following criteria. There's three things. First, people must tolerate it well, even in long-term use. I'm going to sip my coffee here. People must tolerate it well, um, even with long-term use. The second thing is it must maintain homeostasis and impact the body's physical or emotional stress response. Stress response. Jeez, stress response. Thought the coffee would help, right? And so it, essentially what this means is that when you take this herb, it must help you get to this spot of homeostasis where you're finally going back to baseline and you're relaxing, right? And then the third thing is that it must impart other benefits with no harm um, to normal bodily functions and processes. So it must do those things. You must tolerate it well. must be good for long-term use. It must help your body sort of relax and come to that homeostasis. And it must not hurt you while giving you benefits, okay? So let me give you a few you should try if you're stressed out. Let me just say as a disclaimer, there may be cases for you to get on sort of anti-depression medication, anti-anxiety medication. I don't know about if that's true for you. You need to see a really good functional medicine doctor to make sure that some of those things are good for you. There are some cases in which they are. I'm not going to be able to give you that information, okay? Everything you take, whether it's a supplement, always consult somebody that's a professional for doing so. Don't just listen to, of course, a random podcast to help you get your information. But all of these things are mostly safe. The first one is ashwagandha. Okay, ashwagandha. Have you heard of ashwagandha? Ashwagandha has been used as a traditional remedy in the Eastern countries like India, all the way back to like 6,000 BC. So this has been used a long time. Now, more recently, this roots benefits um, for occasional stress relief ha have sort of helped it gain a lot of notoriety in the Western world. Over the last 20, 25 years, people have got caught on to ashwagandha. And now ashwagandha is an adaptogen that helps us in the West um, support our healthy levels of our cortisol, which again, remember, cortisol, regular cortisol release is good. Always releasing cortisol is bad. Plus, ashwagandha can help us improve our sleep quality. So ashwagandha is a great option for many of you. If you're like, where do I start? I'd start there. Second one, rhodiola rosé. Now, this is one of my favorite ones. I have been using this for, I don't know, maybe the last 10 years. Now, rhodiola rosé, little history, was grown in cold mountainous regions of Europe and Asia. So think about maybe Nordic countries and such. And it's a root that contains more than 140 different active compounds in it. So it's kind of like ashwagandha. It's been utilized for centuries for its potential mental, mental performance issues or performance benefits. So it helps you relax, but it also helps sharpen your mind and helps you sort of come to that equilibrium a little more clearly, but also gives you a little mental performance boost. There's a study on it. And I'll actually link this in the in the show notes. But there's a trial conducted on participants sort of experiencing burnout. And this showed uh, marked improvement uh, with rhodiola rosé in supplementations, helping people recover from burnout, which is why I kind of got on it in the first place. And so it might actually um, enhance your body's uh, ability to handle and cope with stress at a higher level, something that's always positive, right? Ashwagandha, rhodiola, rosé. Second one, 
or the, the third one is licorice root. Licorice root. Now, licorice root is another common one. And, it, you know, I, to, in, at least in my opinion, this one is less helpful. But honestly, these all stack at times. There are some supplement compounds you can take that stack these. Um, I would I would go with one of those. But essentially, licorice root can help you improve your brain function, help reduce stress. It supports healthy adrenal glands and their ability to uh, respond to stress. So all I have to say, um, God has scattered Easter eggs all throughout the planet to help people in those environments deal with the stresses that they're going to face. You and I are handling, unfortunately, um, an insane amount of chronic stress all of the time because of the technological advances. So what we need to do is sort of hack the system, gather some of these up from their regions and take them in pill form and maybe stacking them and that'll help us deal with it. I'll link a few of my favorites in the show notes. Some of mine, uh, Vi uh, Vitanica produces Mind Blend. That's one of my favorites. Another is TrueCalm. Now TrueCalm has GABA in it, which is a neurotransmitter and it helps with sleep. Um, GABA is really helpful, especially if you have like, um, uh, like public speaking fear or like you have like a presentation coming up or something. It's really helpful. It also helps you relax. But GABA is not great for people with low blood pressure because it can reduce blood pressure. So don't take it if you have low blood pressure. Um, also consult a doctor, consult a functional medicine doctor professional with all of these or your primary care doctor with all of these recommendations, consult them too. Okay. I love adaptogenic herbs. If you can't tell, I lit up in this podcast as a result of that. And here's the last hack. And this is not a crazy one. It's called meditation. Now meditation is caught on over the last 10 years because it's gotten like sort of secular mainstream fun and there's all these apps for it. Um, I don't think any of those are bad. I think they're all great. You should try some of those. Um, meditation though is really a Christian idea. Uh, I like to think of prayer as talking to God and meditation as listening for God. And so meditation is a fundamentally wonderful spiritual religious practice that people have practiced in Christianity for years. Um, Catholic monks and monasteries have practiced it. Certainly Christians today practice meditation. And meditation helps you clear your mind, it helps you relax, it helps you listen for God, and it helps you sort of come back to that homeostasis that we're all longing for. You can use a meditation app to help you walk through sort of um, structured meditations. You can use things like Calm App, which is probably the most popular. Calm App has a little bit of some weird juju stuff as it relates to it, and it's unbiblical at times. So you have to be very careful, knowing to eat the fish and spit the bones out. Um, but it also has non-guided meditations that are just relaxing. I would, I, I, I like a combination of Calm app and also Abide. Abide is a Christian app that walks you through some like biblical meditations. That's also helpful. Um, but again, use some discernment as it comes to um, finding the right app. There's also another really cool one that's a Catholic app that's called Pray As You Go. I really like Pray As You Go. I think it's a great, I think it's a great app. Although there are times when they do meditations and they are using some, uh, you know, uh, extra biblical, I'd say, for, at least from the Protestant side, books, right? They're venturing into some of these other uh, books of the Bible that the Catholics call canon, but Christians do not, right? So I would maybe avoid and skip those, uh, at least I personally do. But if you're Catholic, it works out well for you, actually. Um, the other thing, too, is just to meditate on the scriptures, opening up the Bible, reading scripture. What I like to do is, you know, my, my sort of go-to is read a chapter of a gospel, read a psalm or a proverb, meditate for a few minutes on what I read, and then pray. 
right? That's a really easy way for you to sort of hack that system, okay? Well, everybody, this wraps up our sort of stress, dealing with cro uh, chronic stress over the holidays and any time of the year. Help you clear your head. Um, if this podcast was helpful for you, would you do me a favor if you're on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you are on um, Spotify or Apple Music, would you just go ahead and leave me a review? That would be awesome. That will help more people hear about these biblically-based wellness principles that just really aren't talked about a lot. You could also just share this for me. Do me a favor. But here's the most important thing. Whether it's the holiday season or whether it's any time, understand that what you need most is probably margin for God to influence you and to speak in your life. And the reason why you and I are so stressed out and anxious is because we haven't created enough margin in our lives for God to be able to infiltrate and speak to us. So I'm hoping that you, whether it's during the Christmas season or any time, will find that margin so that way God can speak to you. That's it for now. I'll see you on the next one. One more thing, the statements in this video or audio have not been evaluated by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this website and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a physician visit and should not be taken as medical advice of any sort or kind. This is a list of resources for further self-research and work with your personal physician if needed. By using any of this information, by watching, listening, or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release this podcast, its participants, and its websites from any and all liability whatsoever, including that which might come from negligence. Also, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't touch hot surfaces, and please wear your safety glasses when cutting wood.